have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor who has designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects and single family homes up and down the East Coast. And now, Ken the Contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. Square footage, meaning when you buy a home, you got 3,000 square feet, you got 1,000 square feet, whatever. That is the most expensive space we buy. Cubic feet, that's where we start to use our vertical space, is some of the least expensive that we have. Yet, that's probably one of the most underutilized areas in our homes. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour with Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. A house is what you build. A home is what you make it. Ken's here to help you with those projects around the house or to answer the questions that are important to today's homeowner. Our contact number, and you can reach us anytime at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Now, normally, Ken the Contractor is sitting right across from me in the studio, but this weekend, he comes to us from Florida. It's tough work, Ken, but I know someone has to do it. Well, I hate to tell you, the sun is shining, the skies are blue, and today's high is scheduled to be 77 degrees, according to local meteorologists. So I understand it's difficult for you and folks in uh, Pennsylvania and New York, but we'll get by. We will. We'll we'll struggle by somehow. We want to start by talking about a very basic issue, and that's one that we get a lot of questions about, and that's issues relating to roofs. This year certainly has been no exception with the number of tropical storms that we've had up and down the East Coast and just storms, fronts in general, that constantly move through the area. We've had building problems. We've had shingle problems. You name it, we've had issues with it. And I wanted to take a little time and deal just with shingles at the opening of this particular hour today. We'll talk some about the others. But shingles are the most common roof materials used in the United States. They're certainly more prevalent in the south, the southeast, the mid-Atlantic, and uh, probably towards the Appalachian Mountains and uh, I guess the Midwest as well. When you move into the western part of the country, you get into other products, and some areas along the Gulf Coast, you get into clay and cement tile shingles. But for most of our listeners, that is not common. And I have questions come to me periodically from folks saying, how do I know when it's time to replace my shingles? And there are times when you look at it and say, you know, they've only been there five years, and they don't look so great. And for most of you, I'm telling you, you don't need to replace shingles. If you've had them on the roof for 20, 25, 30 years and they don't look so great, let's talk about some of the clues. Maybe you do need to replace them. First off, shingles that are fairly new may develop a fungus, black streaks. You may even see some of the granules coming off those and collecting in your gutter or at the base of your house, your drip line, during especially a rainy season. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Typically, these black streaks develop on the shady side of the house or at least the side of the house that receives the least amount of sunlight. So if you've had shingles on the house for 5, 10 years and you're seeing this develop, it does not mean that they need to be removed and replaced. Typically, people may think that, but that's not true. If those shingles, however, have been on that roof for an extended period of time, and I'm going to say 20 years especially or more, then you might have a problem that involves bringing a roofer out, obtaining several bids, and replacing those before you have roof leaks. Now, some of the signs of shingles that need replacing are not just discoloration, but a large quantity of the granules coming off of those. And you will know what I mean by large when you see it. It's not the typical few that you'll see uh, after heavy rainstorms. But the big clue is shingles, when they age, start to curl up on the tips or the edges of them. 
And that's because the oil that's in them over time dissipates and they become brittle. You'll also see cracks in the surface. That doesn't mean that they're leaking, but you will see cracks in the surface of those shingles. So if you have a shingle that has become brittle, if you're seeing surface cracks in it, if you're seeing the corners or the edges starting to curl a little bit, you might as well be prepared to acquire a few bids and be looking at a new roof sometime, at least within the next several months to one or two years. You may get another one or two years out of it. So don't rush out today because Ken said go out and put a new roof on the house, but I want you to be prepared for it so that you're not caught by surprise when it's time to put a few thousand dollars in that roof. One thing I do want to caution everybody about, though, is don't let a roof leak start and linger because it will never heal itself, and what it's doing is causing structural problems, or it can cause structural problems underneath that. It can create rot in the roof sheeting and even in the structural members, the trusses. So it may not be something that you're saying, this is a big deal, it's a little drip every other storm, but it's creating some serious damage at some point. Now, for those of you that happen to have a different type of roof, not shingles, let's say a flat roof area. Again, we have calls on this occasionally. Most of those in, in our listing area would be, an old roof would be a tar and gravel roof. Some may simply be a tar roof, but they're flat roofs. The newer ones will be a membrane, a rubber membrane. Those are very easy to deal with. But if you've got an old tar and gravel roof on a porch or your house in general, you're going to see some similar issues with it when it's time to replace. Again, that tar becomes brittle. You'll see surface cracking in that. You'll find that you're not going to lose the stone on a flat roof like you do the granules from shingles, but you are going to find that it just becomes very rigid. And that's usually a pretty good time to start talking to a roofer about how much life do I have left in this and when do I need to be replacing it. So for all of you, whether you have a shingle roof or whether you have a built-up tar and gravel roof or anything along those lines, pay attention to the signs because they are there when it's time to replace these. Others in different listing areas will also have even some aluminum or metal shingles. Those take a small amount of maintenance. In some cases, it's paint, just like painting the old standing seam roof. Some of those have been around for 100 years, and they'll last that long or longer if you keep them properly painted. And others will have a slate roof. You'll have barrel tiles. Some of these barrel tiles are made out of clay as well as cement and flat cement tiles that go on the roof. Now, a word of caution to those of you thinking, I want to replace my shingles with a cement tile roof or with a barrel tile. Not all structures are designed to carry that weight. So again, don't rush out and think that I've told you you can go out and, and add three or four times the weight to your roof just because you want to put a cement or barrel tile on it. You may need to check with a local architect, your building official, uh, or certainly your roofer should know, uh, we would hope, whether or not it will carry that load or not. So be careful in what you do. There are a lot of options out there, a lot of opportunities for you to do something new and different to change the appearance of your house, and uh, also a lot of opportunity for you to spend different dollars. So shop around, look at your budget when it comes time to replace the roof, see where you've got money to spend and which way you want to go with it. But as I said, one word of caution, don't let a roof leak linger. One kind of basic question, and that is, depending on how your home is built, can you change the basic type of roof that you have? Can you go from one roofing surface to another, or might that involve some additional cost? Well, it can. For example, if you're moving from uh, an asphalt or fiberglass-based asphalt shingle, which has been very common the last 10 or 15 years, very easy to go from that to, let's say, a metal shingle or a standing seam metal roof. There's not a significant difference in the weight. But if you're removing a shingle that may weigh uh, 240 pounds per square, that's per 100 square feet, and you want to replace that with a cement tile, 
or a clay barrel tile that's common in a lot of commercial properties in certain parts of the country on houses, the roof structure itself may not carry that load. And even if the trusses do, the plywood may not. So you, again, you want to check with your roofer. They should be educated if they're licensed and have the right, obtaining the right permits. But if you are in doubt, call your local building official or an architect or an engineer and have them examine this. Because if you are investing the money to install that type of roofing, folks, that's going to be huge dollars. And the last thing you want to do is have it visit you in the living room. You want to know that it's going to stay up there. So yes, you can get to a point that you're spending money from a structural standpoint just to support new roofing products. But there are also so many on the market today that weren't there even 10 years ago. Spend some time, use the Internet, talk to your roofer, visit the local supply houses. And as I always tell you, be informed before you spend your money and make sure you have a number of competitive bids. Final 30 seconds before we break. Are we talking about basically aesthetics as the reason to make a change, or is there a functional reason why you might want to change your roofing surface? could be a combination of both. For people that live in areas that are prone to forest fires, they want to get away from combustible products. These cement tiles or clay barrel tiles don't burn. The last thing they want to have on the roof is a wood uh, shingle. So there are some reasons to change it. Insurance purposes may require it in some cases as well. Uh, in most cases, that's not true. It's more about aesthetics. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You can reach him with a question about your home inside or out by dialing 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And don't forget, you can post your questions online at KenTheContractor.com. Again, our number, 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor, taking your calls at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Let's go to the phones right now, and it's Wilma who joins us. Wilma's got a question and wants to talk a little bit about gutters. Wilma, hi. You're on the air with Ken Patterson. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. We we have a problem with uh, walnut trees around our house. Uh, dozens of them, and uh, the sticks, would the sticks interfere with that gutter guard that comes off that wall in the trees? Well, Wilma, these gutter guards come in different sizes and serve different purposes. One of the things I'd recommend to you and others that are interested in installing gutter guards, maybe take some of the debris that washes off your roof with you before you make a purchase and see whether or not the mesh that's in most of them is too large uh, so that those items actually pass through. Uh, what we're trying to do certainly is eliminate trash and debris that build up in our gutters. That can create a more serious problem in the winter times. But typically, we want that water to drain properly. We don't want it backing up on the backside of the gutter. We don't want it getting underneath our shingles or into the eaves, creating rot by any means. So take some of those standard size twigs with you when you go to your hardware store and see what works for you. There are different types. Some of these will be stamped so that they have holes that may be an eighth of an inch, could even be a quarter of an inch. Others will use a screen or a wire mesh in the gutter guard itself. So this is what I have done. This is what I recommend to other folks. You're buying the right product, then you know it works in your environment because there are other people that have uh, either smaller or larger leaves or twigs that get in there and clog those up. And a word to the wise, as we uh, we look at the seasons, 
you certainly want to be sure that those gutters are clean as you move into a snow and ice season any time of the year that you can get up and clean it out is great. You don't want to be doing it, though, when you have snow and ice there. If you allow the gutter system to remain clogged, then you're going to add weight because the, the snow can't melt. It's more ice. It may actually pull the gutter off the face of the house. So whatever you do, you want to be absolutely certain that those are clean as you move into the wintertime. And Wilma, I think, from a gutter guard standpoint, there are so many in the marketplace that not only run the gamut from a size standpoint, but also from a financial standpoint that you look at your budget and you look at what works best in your application. Wilma, thanks for calling. All righty. Thanks a lot. Wilma, thank you. We do appreciate your call. And, you know, a lot of folks learned some tough lessons a couple winters ago, Ken, when uh, throughout our listening area we had some substantial uh, snow, snows that we just weren't used to seeing, uh, upwards of 20 inches of snow. And a lot of folks lost gutters when they froze. They couldn't handle the, the magnitude or the volume of the precipitation, and particularly that frozen precipitation, and they literally lost their gutters. Well, they did. And, and not only will the gutter come down, in some cases it will tear shingles, it will tear the drip edge. It can cause, and I've seen fascia boards actually be pulled out. Most gutters are installed by two methods. One would be, and more typically in residential applications, pins and ferrules. And uh, those are driven into the fascia. But if you're in a heavy snow and ice environment, or if you have the potential of a lot of debris collecting in that gutter and you just can't get to it, you may want to consider having those put up with straps. Now, straps uh, go, mount to the fascia. They come all the way under the gutter. They come up on the, the front side of it. They go over the top, and they secure to the roof under the shingles. So they will carry a lot more weight. But the average residential installation, again, with, with pins and ferrules, it's designed to carry water. It's not designed to carry snow and ice that builds up and builds up. You're going to end up with some big expense come springtime. If you're in that environment, you allow those things to happen. You can reach Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, at 800-614-2975, and also post questions at his website, and that's KenTheContractor.com. We've got one of those uh, mailbag questions, and this deals with replacing windows. Yeah, and this comes to us from uh, Marjorie in Virginia, and the question is fairly simple and one that many of you deal with because you live in older homes up and down the East Coast. She says, our home is over 100 years old and still has original windows. They're drafty. They're not in good shape. However, some of them still have the old wavy glass, so apparently some of the, the glazing has been replaced. Uh, is there some way to get windows made with this old glass? So it, it's apparent from the question that Marjorie does not want to have a new window in a 100-year-old home. She's trying to preserve that historic look that she has. Now, Marjorie, for you and others that are in that situation, this old wavy glass is certainly a product of the, the manufacturing process and, and a time that most of us would think uh, has passed. And uh, they're typically, though, for your information, referred to as crown or cylinder glass. But there are manufacturers still in the United States that produce this, largely, in your case, for replacement glass, and it looks just like the original. Uh, one company, and I'm going to give you a few names because there's so few out there, well, one supplier to check out is AWG, Old Style Windows, and they're out of Baltimore, Maryland. They manufacture the glass, though. They don't manufacture the entire window, meaning the sash or the frame or the weights. They are simply a glazing manufacturer, and they still use the old historic process to create that old wavy look of either the crown or the cylinder glass. Uh, there are manufacturers also in California and New Jersey. Now, if you need only the glass, this is where you start. As I said, th these companies manufacture only that, so you want to check with them. But if you want to replace the entire window but still have 
that old historic look that's out there and make them more energy efficient, get rid of the draftiness that you talk about here, then you want to deal with a company that completely rebuilds these windows. And they will replace not only the glass with, with, new, look, with new old wavy glass, I should say, but they'll also replace the balance system, the weather stripping, and use your existing sashes. So if the sashes are not rotted, if they're still sound, but yet you can't raise the windows, you need new weights, you need new ropes put in them, they will do all of these. Now, I have to tell you, this is not inexpensive, but if you're bound on preserving the old historic look of that house, you want the windows to function again, but you want them to be energy efficient, then that's what you need to be looking at. Again, some of these companies will point you in that same direction. I'm going to give you only one, but it's a company called Byglass, B-I-G-L-A-S-S, and you can check them out on the website. This is a franchise-type operation, and they will come restore your old sash windows on site. They will do it at your home. And when they get through, from what I've seen, they're going to look new, but they're going to look 100 years old at the same time. So I hope that helps you out, Matt, Marjorie, for you and everybody else that live in some of these beautiful old homes and want to preserve that look. Yeah, I can understand trying to preserve the authenticity, but it's nice if you can include some of the elements uh, of making the windows more energy efficient, let's say. Well, I think that's where companies like Byglass have really found a market out there. There are a number of these older homes, and when I say older, it doesn't have to be 100 years old. We're generally talking homes that were built after somewhere in the early 60s because insulated glass was not very common until we hit the early 60s, especially in the colder regions, and started looking at thermal values and being concerned about heating and cooling. So if you're in a home that typically is probably 1960 or earlier, although you may have some different sashes, they may not be wood, they may be aluminum, they're not likely to be vinyl, certainly, in that period. Uh, but you may want to think about changing the glazing out and saving yourself some huge dollars. We've got to take a quick break. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's taking your calls. The number to dial, 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You can also post your questions online by going to Ken's website. That's KenTheContractor.com. you find a lot of helpful information, home improvement information, and also answers to questions about your home. Issues like roofing questions, electric insulation, decking, drywall, plaster, energy efficiency, accessible living, and much more. You'll find it all at one spot on the web. That's KenTheContractor.com. Ken is joining us this weekend uh, from Florida. And let's go back and take a look at something that we've actually had on our show notes for the last couple of weeks that we just haven't gotten to because of the heavy volume of calls and mailbag questions. But this is a group of home improvement phone apps, Ken, that you found that you think would be very helpful for folks. Yeah, some of these I use. Some of them I haven't had opportunity to use yet, but I have them downloaded. And uh, for those of you that carry around iPhones or you happen to have droids, these are available in some cases free, in others they may cost you one, two, three, five dollars. I have one that's a little more expensive than that, but I found them pretty handy to do some things that are you just need a quick check on, especially for most items around home, hanging pictures, for example. The first one I want to mention to you, and again, these are phone apps, so go to your app store and you'll find it. Light the Way is what it's called, with an iPhone bright display and super bright LED that you can use it in place of a traditional flashlight. And I will tell you, I've downloaded that, and I've been stuck in a place or two without a flashlight, 
And uh, this creates uh, all the illumination you need when you're looking for things on the backside of computers or where, wherever it may be. So Light the Way uh, is one of those items you want to look at. That's a 99-cent flashlight as far as the download is concerned. And you know, most of you live with it. You'll leave home without your wallet, but you won't leave home without your cell phone. Another one that I've got here is called Know and It's just the topic, though, is Know What and When to Plant. Now, this may be one that Andre and others have talked about as far as your gardening goes, but it's really called the Landscaper's Companion. And uh, if you've ever wondered why certain vegetation isn't growing in your yard, it may be that you have the wrong item planted on the wrong side of the house. Some of these need more sun, some need more water, less water. So with this particular application, Landscaper's Companion, uh, this reference will allow you to, to look at the site and look at more than 2,000 plants. And you can search for a plant based on your garden sun exposure, your garden zone, the type of temperature that you have. Maybe save yourself some money by uh, taking the right product and putting it in the right location so you haven't wasted that 80 or $100 for that particular shrub or plant that you just purchased. Probably one that I find most useful, even as a builder. I've used this for spot checks. Now, I, I can't tell you that the accuracy is exactly where you want it to be if you're building. I wouldn't use it for building, but certainly for hanging pictures, it would be absolutely fine. And that happens to be one that's just, it's really a carpenter's tool. This costs you $1.99, and it's uh, a, an eye-handy carpenter app uh, that puts a ruler, a protractor, a bubble level, a surface level, and plumb bob all into your iPhone. Now, folks, that's several tools in one that go into the iPhone. And, yes, they do make something similar if you've got an Android, which I do, as opposed to the iPhone, so that you can check to see whether trim is plumb, whether your picture is hanging level like it should be, mirrors on the wall, or even a tabletop if you want to find out if it's level, if you're trying to adjust something to be dead flat. This is really handy. It's quick and simple. I've used it a number of times, and it does work. So just a few pointers on some handy uh, applications for your iPhone or your Droid. Now, with that said, I want to go back here because we do have some uh, folks in the uh, audience with us today. And I've got Sean, who has, is visiting Florida from Delaware, and he's got a question. Sean? I'm looking at buying a new home, and a lot of the master baths that I'm looking at have full showers only, and my wife and I are interested in having a bathtub put in. And I was wondering, is it feasible to replace a full-size shower with a shower bath unit? Okay, good question. Depends on how the, the shower is made as to how much money it may cost, but it certainly is doable. Most tub units, a standard tub unit, is going to take 60 inches of space, which is 5 feet in length. So if the existing shower, when you say full size, is five feet in length, the opening should be sufficient to replace that with a tub-shower combination. Uh, you can go back with a standard tub if you can get it in the doorway in the openings and actually twist it and turn it and set it in place. But what's more common today would be a retrofit tub-shower combination. And these are tub and units that are still solid, uh, one piece, but shower panels that line the walls as opposed to having to bring in what Many of you have in your current home a combination tub-shower unit that was one piece that was put in before the, maybe before the roof was put on even. But, uh, yeah, for retrofit work, there are so many things that are available out there today. The key is going to be the length, 60 inches. If you're dealing with 48 inches, there are some specialty tubs made, but that is not a standard tub length. Oh, thank you very much. We appreciate the question, and I know we get a lot of those regarding room renovations and bathroom retrofit. Uh, there are just so many things out there that we can do. But before you assume, do your homework, talk with some local supply houses, 
go out and see what's available in your particular community and talk with some subcontractors, plumbers, carpenters, general contractors, whatever you need, before you start tearing things out and find all of a sudden you don't have a shower at all. Anyway, thanks for the question, Sean. Phone lines are open. If you've got a question for Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And also mailbag questions. And we've got another mailbag question from KenTheContractor.com. All right. This one comes to us. This is from Mabel in uh, Virginia. And she's got a problem with some discolored drinking water here. And she says, most often when we turn the water on in the sink, we have to let it run for a while before it clears up. Is there anything we can do short of replacing all of the plumbing? Well, Mabel, the good news is I don't think your problem is actually your plumbing line. I think your problem, and you don't tell me whether you're on well water or domestic water, but I want to tell you certainly, first, if you're on domestic water, more often than not, that's nothing more than air bubbles that get into that water, and you'll have to run it for a while, in some cases, to get it from being a milky white to be clear. Nothing hazardous because you're on water that should be chlorinated. It's a public water system. If that's if you are on public uh, water, I want you to think about that. And there's nothing you can do to clean that up. I've talked to plumbers. I've talked to engineers and other experts, and it's not a problem. So nobody's spending any money trying to resolve it. But if you're on well water, I would be looking at either first my water source to be sure that you're not in a drought season, that you're not pulling a sand and other grit out through that or, or pumping mud because that's what happens when you're in a low water environment. You also want to consider a filter. filter can remove many of the minerals that are in the water that make it cloudy. They will settle in your pipes, and when you turn the water on, it stirs those up. So think about a filter system if you don't have one. You can also treat iron and sulfur, so many other things that are not only uh, color but also taste and odor. And I would investigate that, but always, again, take a few bids on that. If you want more information, you need to give me a little more detail on the question, and perhaps I can point you in other directions. But, again, I hope that gets you started. So give me a call at 800-614-2975 or send me another email. Probably is good periodically to just have your water tested as a rule, because as you've mentioned before, Ken, folks aren't always, uh, don't always understand all the stuff that's in there. Well, if she's on a well, that's something I've recommended regularly on the show, that they go back and do that. And if you're looking to put a, a treatment system in, domestic water or on a well system, almost every company that I've ever worked with will test your water first because they need to know how to treat it. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You can reach him anytime at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And if you go to our website, KenTheContractor.com, you can listen to podcasts of recent programs and also get some answers to questions that you may have, issues relating to flooring, ventilation, painting, leaks, masonry, heating, and siding, much more. Plumbing all at one place on the web. That's at our website, KenTheContractor.com. And again, our contact number, it's 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. Have a question about your home inside or out? You can reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Time for us to go back to the phone lines right now. And joining us next is Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. You're on the air with Ken Patterson. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Hi, Ken. 
Ken, I was wondering if you could solve a discussion that my husband and I have been having about heat pump. I'll try. Okay. We've um, lived in our home for 14 years, and uh, we have our, still have our original heat pump. Um, he's wanting to go ahead and replace it before it breaks down, and I'm um, of the mindset to wait till it dies and then replace it. Well, I'm going to get in the middle of this battle, and both of you will probably be unhappy with me, but I'll share my thoughts on that because I tell this to relatives and others that uh, on the surface, generally, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But at 14 years, you are nearing clearly the end of the life of that equipment. I tell folks, if you get 12 to 15 years out of a piece of equipment, you've done quite well, especially with a heat pump, which runs 12 months out of the year for the most part. One of the other things that I'd like you to consider, I mean, other than that statement, and you all have to decide what you want to do, but the energy efficiency level of current heat pump systems far exceed what you purchased 14 years ago. You may find, because of state rebates that are available and because of federal tax credits, that that would be a reason to replace a unit that is still running that's that old. And what I'd suggest you do is to get... Uh, two or three quotes from local mechanical contractors to replace the equipment. Based on replacing it this year, they'll ask you, what's the time frame? Look at the energy efficiency rating. It's going to be at least 13 meeting code. You may find that you can bump to 14 or 15 for just a matter of two or $300 more, depending on the brand of equipment. Okay. Once you get those prices, then go online to energysavers.gov and check and see if the equipment qualifies for a rebate from the state. Now, to do so, it's going to have to have a certain efficiency level, a certain SEER rating, S-E-E-R, and it will have to be Energy Star rated. Okay. So, so when you're shopping, ask for that information. Okay. And then also look at the federal government information, again, under energysavers.gov, and see what you might be eligible for. In some cases, it may be $500. It may be a percentage of the equipment. The bottom line is this could be a good year to replace older heating and cooling equipment that meets the Energy Star state and federal government requirements. You may find that it's a very good bargain, and it's reducing your month-to-month operating costs. So that's not really the answer you wanted. It's not a yes or no, but it it merits some explanation. And if I had a 14-year-old unit, even though I typically tell folks, I'm not going to spend money on replacing something as long as it's working. With that age and the incentives that are offered today and it being a buyer's market overall when it comes to everything construction-related, might be a good investment for you to look at before the end of this year. Okay, great. Thank you so much for your assistance. Well, thanks for your call. We appreciate you listening. Rebecca, thank you. Don't forget, if you've got a question for Ken, you can join us at 800-614-2975. 800-614-2975 is our contact number. And one of the things that Ken spends time doing, along with all the many things that he's involved with, he's kind of like me. You like these gadgets, and you've got a couple of them, one that will be very appropriate at this time of year. Tell me about the boot hanger. Yeah, everybody needs a boot hanger doesn't matter whether you're making a fashion statement every day and you dress that stylishly, men or women, or whether you're out riding a horse. If you've got boots, you have to have a boot hanger. Now, let me tell you a little bit about where these few items, this information has come from, though, because every year there are new products that are introduced out there both to home builders and to home remodelers. And these items were just exposed a few days ago, in some cases, at the NAHB annual home remodeling show, 
which was held in McCormick, uh, which is up in the McCormick place in Chicago. And uh, there are people that will come from all over the country, in fact, all over the world, to find out what is new, but this is reserved only for builders and remodelers, architects and engineers. So don't think that when I give you this information, the next time the show is there, that everybody can rush down and be there, because you can't. It's not open to the public. Boot Hanger is a new way to store and protect your boots. It's actually designed to create more cubic space in that closet, which we talk about on a regular basis. It is designed with clips so that you actually place one boot in front of the other boot. If you will think about it, most boot hangers are designed where you place them side by side. That eliminates the potential for added maybe uh, several pair of boots in your storage area. This one uses the depth of that hanging space almost as if you had the same depth available for hanging clothes, jackets, suits, whatever it may be. So the boot hanger is available. You can go to Bootique. You like that one? Bootique.com, and you'll find all the information you want to know about this new boot hanger out there. $20 for three of these hangers that will allow you to maximize the use of your storage space. Now, here's another one that all of us have had issues with from time to time, and that's needing temporary places to hang things, maybe on the back of a, a door, for example. And there are so many devices that are made that just hang over the door, but they do damage the door. They can, and they can prevent the door from closing properly. And this is called Zip and Hang. So, uh, again, I'm going to send you to a website, and that is zipandhang.com. These use a clear line, like a a monofilament fishing line that mount on either side of the door. It's easy to adjust. It has a lifetime warranty with it, $13. That's what they're advertising them for. And one I have to talk to you about that really is about safety, because we deal with this occasionally as the years roll around in National Fire Prevention Week and so forth, and that has to do with dryer fires. There's more than 15,000 dryer fires a year in the United States. This item is called Lint Alert, L-I-N-T-A-L-E-R-T. You can go to lintalert.com. But this is a device that goes in line on your dryer vent, and what it's doing is sensing back pressure. So that vent or the dryer is filling up with lint, so it can't, uh, vent that air properly and it's going to overheat, it's going to tell you. You're going to, just like an audible alarm on a smoke detector or a carbon monoxide detector, it's going to warn you that you have a problem. $45, lintalert.com. I recommend that everybody take a look at that, especially uh, if you're using your dryer on an extensive basis. Uh, a lot of kids at home doing a lot of laundry because that lint builds up. Even though you clean the lint filter, it still builds up inside the exhaust duct and the back of the unit. I want to go back to your uh, zip and hang for a second. I went to their website while you were talking about it, and to me it looks particularly ingenious because I'm one of those folks. I love to get those little hooks you get at the, whether they're the hardware store or the drug store, you know, to put over the, the doors to hang things on. That's me. I've been doing that. Yeah. And the unique thing about this, just to describe it for folks, is that it goes to the corners of the door. And one of the things that I think, and I think this is particularly brilliant, that they use it for as an example, is for hanging Christmas wreaths and decorations. Isn't that a novelty? No holes in the door at all. Exactly. And and you've seen it and for years. If you've put a, a wreath on your front door, which most people do at uh, Christmas time, you know, you've got to have some type of contraption that comes down that just looks out of place. Well, I've got a notion they're going to sell a lot of these, maybe more of these than the uh, boot hanger. I'm not a big boot person, but some of you out there are. But I would expect these will be very popular because they work all year long for all kinds of things, even if it's temporarily hanging a poster or a picture somewhere. could be used both commercially as well as in your home. 
That is zip and hang. You're right. I think they got something there. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here weekends at this time taking your calls. And he's talking about the issues that are important to you, to today's homeowner. If you'd like uh, to join Ken or have a question for him, number to dial is 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You are listening to Ken the Contractor.